what they should have done is unionize. Oh my god, that's so true. Every single hateful coworker romance would be better if people just unionized. <laughs> yes, 100%. Welcome to All My Friends Are English Majors, the podcast where I, a business major, make my friends in this case, boyfriend, read popular fiction with me. Um, Sam is not an English major, so sorry, everyone. He is a man in STEM. Multiple crimes. A man. And in STEM. But we are forgiving it because he's being such a good boyfriend and reading crappy little romance books with me for an entire month. Hi, Sam. Hi. I should remind the audience that Emily is also in STEM. So, she's one out of two crimes. <laughs> oh well i'm in plant stem though and i'm not in like plant path i'm not like finding out about all the funguses that could kill us like all i do is sell cute plants to people that they put in their house or on their porch and is that a crime no i suppose not thank you so now that i've been vindicated and sam has been <laughs> villainized maybe we should talk about the book that we're gonna read this week um, we read a book called The X Talk, which I read, if I go back in my Libby summary, sometime in the last year. And those of you who are my friends know that I'm not really a crier. Um, until last week when I cried on the clock for an hour at work, I had not cried in like nine months. Well, I watched Steel Magnolias a couple of weeks ago because I was trying to hack the fact that I hadn't cried in, like, eight months, but, um, it didn't work. But, anywho, all that to say, I really don't cry very easily, and this book did make me cry. Um, but I think maybe I was just having a tough week because on reread, it did not make me as sad. Um, we're reading the X-Talk by Solomon, by Rachel Lynn Solomon. Um, it is her first book, I think you can kind of tell by the pacing. Yeah, I didn't know it was her first book, but now that you say that, it it does kind of show. Here's a question that I have for you, Sam, and maybe this is a better question for someone who's read a lot of fan fiction. Does this book read like someone who has written a lot of fan fiction? Um, I was actually going to say it reads like someone who has worked somewhere with a guy who was five years younger than her that she had a big crush on. Oh, it feels a little too true to experience. Yeah, like the self-insert feeling is definitely there. Yeah, I think that makes sense. It's a it's a little too like, oh boy, I was 29 and this happened to me. Okay, we're going to read the back of the book and then we're going to get started. Here we go. The X-Talk by Rachel Lynn Solomon, an instant indie bestseller. Public radio co-hosts navigate mixed signals in Rachel Lynn Solomon's sparkling romantic comedy debut. Shay Goldstein has been a producer at her Seattle public radio station for nearly a decade, and she can't imagine working anywhere else. But lately, it's been a constant clash between her and her newest colleague, Dominic Yun, who's fresh off a journalism master's program and convinced she knows everything about public radio. When the struggling station needs a new concept, Shay proposes a show that her boss greenlights with excitement. 
on the X Talk, two exes will deliver romantic relationship advice live on the air. Their boss decides Shay and Dominic are the perfect co-hosts, given how much they already despise each other. Neither loves the idea of lying to listeners, but it's this or unemployment. Their audience gets invested fast, and it's not long before the X-Talk becomes a must-listen in Seattle and climbs podcast charts. As the show gets bigger, so does their deception, especially when Shay and Dominic start to fall for each other. In an industry that values truth, getting caught could mean the end of more than just their careers. Okay, that's it. Okay, so all I was saying was that I think that you can tell this is a romance book because they're more worried about the end of the relationship than the end of their careers. And they're way too young to be like, well, we'll never have money again. In this economy? I think the end of your career is a lot more important than the end of your relationship when you're 24. Like, Yeah, there's there's a lot at stake. Like, a lot at stake. I'm trying to decide whether or not I have beef with anything else on the back of this book. Um, I don't know. It definitely advertises it as, like, a hateful co-worker's book. But they don't actually spend very much time, like, hating each other. And that part does not feel really fleshed out. The part where they hated each other? Yeah, like, it's 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 just kind of like, oh... Well, this is Dominic. I hate him. And he's like kind of rude to me. And then that's stated, but it's, I don't feel like it's shown very much. Yeah, he's really never rude to her. He's like a little bit rude about public radio, which is Shay's entire personality. So, like, that's a little bit of it. But I think that she is the hateful coworker in this scenario. Oh, that, yeah, that's true. Which is, like, especially kind of cruel because there is, like, an age gap here. She's 29. She's worked there for a decade. He's 24. And I think that, like, can you imagine being that cruel to someone at a new job when they are, like, just starting their career? And it doesn't, like, I get that it doesn't help that Dominic is, like, a little bit of a snob about journalism, but, like... I don't know. That sucks. Yeah, she just kind of came off as mean from like the first few pages, which does not help with like rooting for her throughout the book. And like with most hateful coworker romances, like the male is the hateful coworker because he has a crush on the woman. Yeah, in my in my two books of experience before this, that's been true. Whereas in this, Shay hates him because he's good at his job and she doesn't like him for that. Yeah, that's pretty much what it boils down to. Uh, Like, that sucks. That's a terrible, like, inciting reason for them to have antagonism is for, like, Shay to be insecure. But also, like, do you think that Shay being insecure is the main theme of this book? Because it kind of feels that way. Um... She definitely does not manage her insecurity very well at any point. It's kind of horrific. Yeah. Like, I, and I will talk about this a lot, teaser for when we do Sally Rooney Month, but I have a really hard time reading books where people are this insecure, because I truly am just like, shut the fuck up. Yeah. Like... 
not to be anti-feminist, but, like, grow a pair and, like, act right. You're 29 years old. Like, just get it together even, like, 15% more, and I will root for you so much more. Yeah. But, like, that level of paralyzing insecurity, I'm like, this is useless to me. Should I do the the summary before we get too deep in this? Oh, that's true, guys. Sam is going to do his two-minute summary. Did you write one out? Oh, off the dome. I did the last one off the dome. Yeah. That's true. Okay. Get going. So in the X talk, uh, Shay and Dominic are working at a public radio station in Seattle. And uh, Shay's show that she's producing gets cut and replaced under duress by a new show where her and Dominic, uh, these coworkers that do not get along, have to pretend that they used to date and they're now exes. Uh, and the show is about relationships, uh, specifically, I think, about dealing with exes. Uh, so they, they continue this for a while. The show gets really popular. Um, they kind of hang out outside of work. The crush develops on both sides. Um, they get sent on a trip out of town to like an Airbnb to get to know each other, to really sell the whole X thing. Um, and they end up doing the, doing the thing, uh, while they're there. And Shay like convinces herself that the the solution to this is to just make it a casual, like friends with benefits relationship. Um, um and she just not to interrupt, but isn't Dominic the one who says the word casual first? I there was some miscommunication going on. Miscommunication and a hateful coworker <laughs> romance. Yeah. So. Uh, then, like, skipping ahead a little bit, they go to, to PodCon because uh, their podcast is so successful. And their boss, Kent, outs to the world that uh, they've been lying this whole time about being exes. Uh, and this is the show where, like, Shay and Dominic are going to reveal to everyone that, oh, they, in quotes, got back together. Um, and it pretty much destroys her career. Kent keep or sorry. Uh, Dominic keeps his career because uh, Kent likes him because he's a boy. Um, Dominic does not really defend Shay on stage. Um, and Shay is mad at him for both of these things, both uh, working for Kent and not defending her. Um, and then right at the very end, Dominic goes on radio and is like, Shay, please come talk to me. Uh, so she does. Uh, she comes back to the radio station and they, they kind of work it out. Um, and then in the epilogue, they are, Dominic is moving into Shay's house and they have a new podcast. I think that's it. I think that's it too. I, I'm trying to think if there's anything to add. I feel like I was, really, I feel like, I feel like I was really skipping like you were thorough. The of the book through the middle, but to be honest, I didn't find it that interesting. So I don't. Sandy need to focus on it. The meat that Sam is referring to is them hooking up a bunch and then both of them freaking out about it and then talking about it a little and then them hooking up a bunch and then them freaking out a little and then going to PodCon. Yeah. There are more uh, sex scenes in this book. 
than the previous two hateful coworker books that I've read. Yeah, that's true. Those two are the both the hating game and the love hypothesis are a little more slow burn, whereas they hook up probably within the first third of this book, don't they? I think it's around like 40-50% through. But yeah. Yeah. And then they then they continue hooking up. Um I will also say something that we wanted to talk about with this book was like the weird pacing of it. Like it didn't feel particularly developed, both their relationship and the podcast and how quickly everything moved. And I think especially Dominic is underdeveloped, but I will say the author did make a couple of like really like good faith efforts to bring depths to the characters outside of the romance that I found to be like accessible to me as a woman in her 20s. Yeah, I think it was really clear uh, that the author at, you know, when she sat down to write this book was like, I am going to focus on these things. And it was like, uh, Shay's grief about her her dad passing away, uh, Shay's relationship to her mother and her best friend, and then like, Shay's relationship to public radio. Yeah. Which, like, I think that it's really important to give your character, like, a reason to, one, act the way that they do, and two, like, make the decisions that they do. And I think that the author did a good job of, like, giving Shay reasons that she was acting the way that she did. Yeah, I think those parts were actually better developed than, like, the romance of this book. I found them more compelling. I mean, do you think... Do you think potentially this author got told that, like, she couldn't write an interesting book about public radio and grief and she was like, fine, Um, will you publish this? I don't know. Or do you think this was always meant to be romance? I think, ooh, that's tough. I think the intent was to write a romance book. I think that her strength was writing interpersonal relationships that weren't the romance. Yeah, I think that's a good description. So the interpersonal relationships we're talking about specifically are her relationship with her mother and her relationship with her best friend, Amina, uh, both of whom play, like, more minor roles in the book, but have, like, pretty major impacts on the way that Shay thinks about herself and thinks about others. Um, she's very, very close with her mother and grew up in, like, a pretty small family with just her two parents, and then her father has a sudden heart attack when she is in her senior year of high school. And the way she describes it is she, like, does not remember the rest of her senior year. Like, she just kind of goes underwater. And she was really starting to, like, dig herself out of that senior year of college. And she's working for public radio and doing really well. And she finds out... I feel like I'm skipping ahead. Her best friend Amina has always lived in Seattle with her. And is applying for jobs in Virginia and is about to take a job in Virginia. And Shay is, like, trying to be supportive but is upset that her best friend is leaving. And they get in this, like, really, really vicious friend fight that was, oh, my God, this author has been in a fight like this. Did you did you have any feelings about the fight that they get in, Sam? 
I mean, it seemed pretty brutal. I haven't really had a friend fight uh, like that. As someone who is, like, pretty conflict-averse in her friendships, like, I don't think that I'm conflict-averse in our relationship because something in my stupid little, like, lizard brain is, like, well, this is a romantic relationship and people have poor communication in romantic relationships and it's really important not to do that. Like, it has gotten through my, like, thick conflict-averse skull (laughs) that, like, you can't let things fester because, like, Sam, you're stuck with me for good, so, like, we can't let things fester. But, like, my friends are stuck with me for good, and I love to let things fester. Yeah. Because what are we going to do, fight about it? (laughs) That seems awful. Yeah. Does Does this book make you more or less willing to confront your friends? I think that it makes me less willing, unfortunately, because it should make me more willing. Because, like... You do have to air things out sooner or it turns into a conflict like this. Yeah. Like, Amina tells Shay that the reason that she is not already in Virginia is she turned down a job her senior year of college because she felt that Shay was too fragile. Which was like seven or eight years ago. You can't sit on something that long. And then, if uh, look, if you do sit on something that long, you just can't ever bring it up. Yeah. Has to say a secret forever. And I have been, especially with the way that Shay is talking about um, Amina and her fiance, like, looking at each other as if they had already discussed things. Like, that is a feeling I have also experienced where, like, if I I did once get in a fight with a friend where... Like, we both really, really felt we were right, except, like, they were exchanging glances with their significant other at the time, like, the whole time that we were arguing, and that really sucks. Yeah. Like, because it doesn't just feel like you are, like, arguing with your friend and, like, having safe conflict, it feels like you are, like, like, safe conflict does not feel like, like... I feel as if safe conflict is one person looking at you like you're crazy. Like, I think that that just happens in conflict, and that's okay if it is just the two of you. But I think the thing that scares me about friend conflict is when you hear those pauses where they are, like, clearly looking to another person for support. Yeah. Where, like, you have already been villainized in the narrative. Even if it is, like, safe conflict that has to happen, I can't handle that. And I think that's part of why this book was... Like, this section of the book was so upsetting and why I cried the first time I read it is I was like, oh, shit. Like, ooh. Yeah. This is how friends fight. This is how long-time friends fight. Makes sense. Um, I also think that, like, this friend fight, I read this, I think, when I was thinking about trying to find a different job. For those of you who don't know, I work, like, a pretty brutal retail job that, like, like, I'm about to start working six days a week, and I'm about to start working from, like, eight to seven on most of those days, which is just a lot of hours, and it doesn't really matter how much you tell yourself that the overtime is going to take care of the the feeling of not owning your own life. Like, it's really, really hard on you mentally and physically. Um, and I read this book when I was, like, thinking about leaving, and, like, 
oh, she also understands what it's like to, like, feel stuck in a job. Like, that's what sucks is this book is so true to life in those relationships with women, but then her relationship with Dominic, which is supposed to be, like, our driving force behind the narrative, is just, like, kind of useless. Yeah, I I think I think this would have been a better book if it wasn't a romance. Or if that was just, like, part of it, but not supposed to be the driving part of the plot. Yeah. Like, if this is a book about Shay instead of a book about Shay and Dominic's relationship, it's so much better. Yeah, for sure. Okay. I feel like we should... I feel like we can switch to... Oh, wait, no. We can't switch to the perfect man because we have to talk about the the other two named men in this book, which are Steve and Kent. Yes. Uh, I don't like either of them. I also don't like either of them. Maybe that's because Sam and I... Actually, no. You and I haven't been talking about this. Annie and I have been talking about this. Annie is my roommate. Um, and we share a cat who, when our lease ends at the end of July, will stay with me, little Barney. But Shay decides she's so lonely that she gets a dog. Like a nasty little 10-pound chihuahua. And I'm sorry that I called chihuahuas nasty, but I meant it. And this is a particularly nasty chihuahua. He, like, shits in her bed. He's got an underbite. Multiple times. He doesn't socialize well. He shakes constantly. Yeah. And, like, I'm not saying I haven't had a panic attack or two, but, like, I don't know. And Annie and I have been discussing... I guess you guys should understand how we got Barney, because we also, we moved in together August of 2020 and told the landlord when we applied for this place that, no, of course we weren't going to get a pet. We lasted 28 days (laughs) before we got Barney, because we walked past the pet. Annie and I used to grocery shop every single week together, because it was COVID time, so we would just go together, and we walked past the pet aisle and kind of looked sideways at each other and were like, well, what if we just got some litter? Like, just in case. And then, like, three days later, we had a cat. <laughs> um, And so, like, I get impulse getting a pet, but we have been talking about lately how, like, we cannot imagine getting a dog because it is so much work. Whereas Barney is just, like, a little goblin who lives in my house. You know? So I really feel like Shay could have been a lot less lonely and the book could have been a lot less annoying if she didn't get this little rat dog and she instead got, like, a beautiful little goblin like I have. Well, it does have to be... I mean, Steve is a plot device to develop Dominic. Like, Dominic can kind of handle this freaky dog. And she's like, oh my gosh, look how good he is with with my, my chihuahua. But hear me out. Have you heard the discourse about um, the way men feel about cats? Uh, no. And like, okay. So there is this ongoing theory that if a man doesn't like cats, it's because cats set boundaries and dogs do not. So like, dogs are like, 
loving in a way that cats are not. Like, I know that Barney likes to hang out with me. He wants to have a little snuggle. He wants to get petted. Like, we're, we're pals. But, like, a dog has just, like, this unconditional love in a way that, like, a cat is kind of, like, your third roommate who you have to, like, clean up their shit. And so when a man does not like cats, it's because, like, cats don't, like, unconditionally pay attention to them and, like, give them whatever they want. You kind of have to, like, earn their trust and affection and, like, spend quite a bit of time with them. And that is why, like, men who don't like cats are, like, not as trustworthy because it just means that they, like, don't like when people set boundaries around this them. This does sound like an extremely Twitter take. <laughs> Me? Spending too much time on the internet? <laughs> I I saw a, a tweet about men and cats recently that uh, took me for a spin, which was, it was, it was a guy <laughs> replying to, like, this Andrew Tate-style manosphere guy saying, like, fellas, it is, it is so feminine to have a cat. Something along those lines. And one of the guys, one of the repliers uh, looked like, you know, a typical follower of, of this guy. And he's like, uh, actually cats are related to like tigers and lions. If anything, a dog is more feminine. <laughs> and I think that's a great way to think about it. Here, I'll, you need to defend yourself a little bit because I'm worried oh. my friends are going to think that you're a big Andrew Tate guy. So maybe you should explain why the algorithm thinks that should be on your time. Uh, I follow a lot of people who dunk on guys like that. Excellent. Thank you for justifying. Should we talk about our other man? Kent? Who we hate? Before we get to the perfect man, Dominic? Yeah, let's talk about Kent. Kent is the manager of Pacific Public Radio. And he is a misogynist. But, like, one of those subtle ones who is just like, Hey, Shay, could you take notes? You're so detail-oriented. But he would never ask a man to take notes. Or anytime Shay, like, comes up with a good idea, he'll just, like, shut it down and not really listen. Whereas, like, if Dominic brings it up, like, Kent will be like, oh my god, Dominic, that's an incredible idea. Like, you should do that. So that's kind of the vibe of Kent. Yeah, and even at the end, he's he's pretty explicitly like, well, I'm gonna keep Dominic on staff, but I can... Not keep you, the woman who's been here 10 years and was like a senior producer. And Dominic has been there like less than a year. He's shitty. He's shitty. And like, nothing bad really happens to him. The reason that he outs them is because he's scared that one or both of them will get poached to do like podcasts full time or things like that. So it's especially upsetting when he fires Shay or when he gives her like a half a part-time role. Yeah, he fires because, her Because like, yeah, his plan was always to get rid of her. So he outs them because he's an insecure little bitch and then like gets rid of her. Like what the fuck is up with that? He also commits one of the most insane HR violations I can imagine. <laughs> Uh, to advance the plot of this book, which is uh, booking an Airbnb for the for uh, Shay and Dominic to spend the weekend at. So specifically, 
they can sound less scripted on screen because people are going to think that they're like not that they weren't together before previously. Yeah. But the rest of He books an Airbnb with one bed. And the rest of the office, we should note, thinks that they were dating at one point and are now real exes. And they know about the Airbnb trip. So like You can't do that. Yeah. It They're your employees. It's so fucked. It's so fucked. A different kind of fucked than Adam and Olive, where they were like two adults. Entering, like, a consensual messed up situation. Like, this is, like, your boss forcing you to, like, go on vacation and share a bed. I mean, there was a couch. They didn't have to share the bed. Of course, they said we're both adults and they shared the bed. And then they did more than share the bed. But, like, damn. Kent should have been fired for this. Yeah. Like, can you imagine your boss being, like, you... And this coworker you don't like are going to go to an Airbnb and spend the weekend together, or I'm firing both of you. Like I would go, I would go to the National Labor Relations Board immediately. Someone's going to hear about this. Do you, if you're working for public radio, are you technically an employee that's protected by federal statutes, like a federal employee? I think for state employees. Well, I don't. Well, PPR Pacific Public Radio. Yeah, I don't know. Oh, okay. I don't really know it, but but either way, like (laughs) you should be talking to. You're more. You're more protected than private sector for sure. What they should have done is unionize. Oh my god, that's so true. Every single hateful coworker romance would be better if people (laughs) just unionized. Yes, a hundred percent. Although, I bet the love hypothesis couldn't have even happened if she had been in some sort of grad student union, because I'm sure that, like, to be in the union, you had to, like, not be dating a professor in your department. Yeah, I mean, that's that's a part of that book that you just have to, like, push aside reality for a second, you know? Okay, we're moving into The Perfect Man, which is when we talk about whether or not um this... This male main character is especially toxic. I think we have read more toxic men. I think men have been more toxic than this man. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of the thing about Dominic is it doesn't feel like there's that much there. He's kind of a nothing burger character. Yeah. Um, I do think he owns one of the best bits in the entire book, which is all of the Northwestern jokes. In the same way, that the love hypothesis talks about how big Adam is, like, every three pages. This book talks about how Dominic has a master's degree from Northwestern, like, every three pages. Part of it is him being snotty, and part of it is them poking fun at him for doing it. Yeah. At one point, there's, a there's like, a swear jar for him that he puts $5 in every time he mentions that he has a master's degree. And like he 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 in one month, I think it was a month or a week. I think it was a, a week, week. He does he puts twenty five dollars in it, and this is him like trying to not talk about it. That is, I mean, that's unbearable. 
And I do think they make a point that it, like, at the beginning is unbearable, but he does exhibit character growth in that he, like, one, tries to talk about it less, and two, like, starts making jokes about it. It's kind of like when you, like, isn't there some, like, drinking game with cards, and if you, like, someone can, like, make rules for you, and... Uh... I don't really know. I played it, like, one time. You're describing, uh... I've heard it called the Ring of Fire, and one of the cards is for Rule Master, and you do get to to make a rule. And I played it once where the rule was, like, no swearing or you had to take a drink. And, like, of course you could, like, swear to make a point and then take a drink anyway, and that, I think, is kind of what he's doing with Northwestern by the end, was basically just, like, a like a middle finger to the joke. Yeah, that's fair. I have a, like worth I have a, five bucks. I have a quick Ring of Fire rule master tangent. Uh, Excellent. We used to in college, the the boys frisbee house and the girls frisbee house were literally across the street. So we'd go to the boys frisbee house to pregame a party at the the girls frisbee house. And the last game we played one night was Ring of Fire, and rule master was that you had to speak in an Australian accent or take a drink, and. Uh, we did not stop that rule after we got done with the game. So we went over to the girl's house. Um, and from from their perspective, I think that was one of the worst parties they ever threw because they had to deal with us <laughs> getting drunk and speaking like Australians for literally hours. It seems like you guys had so much fun. We did. Like, it seems like I Suck was a real dude's rock frisbee team, and I think that that's really fun. I think that's a great way to describe it. Okay. I feel like that's his least toxic trait, though. I feel like the rest of his traits are kind of toxic. Yeah, I mean, he just, like, is a bad communicator. So, they hook up at the Airbnb, and then the next morning, Olive, Shay, I guess this is a good time to out myself of having to text Sam (laughs) 75% of the way through this book and ask him what the main woman's name was, because I literally couldn't remember. Um, but Shay wakes up, like, alone in the bed, and he's already downstairs in the kitchen making breakfast, and he, like, does not talk to her. They, like, don't talk about it, and then on the drive back, they talk about literally anything except that, and then the next day she gets to the office, and he, like, corners her in the hallway and is like, hey, I think you, I think we switched phone chargers. You want to come over tonight and, like, switch back? And Olive's like, well, we could just do that at the office. And he's, like, asking her for a hookup, but he hasn't talked to her in, like, 24 hours. Like, he's he's just being weird. And I think that it's, like, really bad behavior and kind of gross of him to be like, oh, do you want to come over and hook up? When he, like, didn't acknowledge the first time that they hooked up, even though while they were hooking up the first time, He's, like, so fucking into it. Yeah, they just really, after that first time, this would have been so much simpler. And I get it. We'd have a short, we wouldn't have a book if this happened. But they really... And it's already pretty short. They really just needed to be like, oh, I'm, like, into you beyond this. All it would have taken was one of them bringing it up. And I think the rest of the conflict still exists. Yeah, because she she has conflict beyond the romance. She has conflict with Amina. She has conflict with her mom. There is the conflict with the podcast. So, like, they could have just admitted they liked each other. 
and figured it out from there. Or at least not pretended that they didn't like each other. Like, it's just kind of weird. Yeah, I thought that the miscommunication in the love hypothesis was like, it was not unbearable. You know, it kind of made sense. It was endearing in some places, but here it was just frustrating. Yeah, it just is not good. That is really toxic. Um, Dominic has capital S, capital F stage fright. And when they have the big blow up at the end where they get outed for faking the podcast... He, like, doesn't defend her. He just, like, runs off the stage. And that in itself I don't think is that toxic because, like, he had, like, pathological stage fright. But the thing that is, like, really toxic, although I think we should discuss it, both of us, I think, could be still considered new grads. Like, he goes back and works for Kent even when he finds out all the things that Kent said. And, like, stays at public radio, even though, like, Kent is objectively not the kind of person he should be working for as someone who is, like, a really talented reporter and could get a job somewhere Yeah, else. it's made clear pretty early on in the book. Well, maybe not early on, but when he when he starts, like, really explaining why he's in Seattle and working in public radio. Like, it's clear that he could get a job in so many other places. But here's the thing I think that we should discuss. One... I think that we have to accept that as people living in Kansas City, we don't understand what it's like to live in Seattle in terms of how much money it costs. Yeah, I mean, he, he probably has a shit ton of student loans. Oh, undoubtedly. Because if you didn't know, he has a master's degree from Northwestern. For sure. And he also is in his first year of employment with his first job out of college. Yeah, I just think like, I don't think it's unreasonable of Shay to be upset with him for keeping that job. But I also don't think it's unreasonable for him to stay. I just wish no. that it had been clear that he was staying until he found something else. Yeah. And, like, that isn't made clear at all, partially because Shay and all her inability to communicate and her ability to just, like, lay down dead in the ditch and feel bad for herself, like does not speak to him and gives him no space to talk to her or explain or do anything. And the one time she does talk to him is right after he, like, had a panic attack on stage. And I don't know if you've ever had a panic attack, but I am not particularly coherent after I've had a panic attack. Like, I take a minute to start thinking smart again. Yeah, and honestly, the author does not give enough space for this to happen either. Like, that main conflict in making up happens all within, like, the last 10% of the book. Yeah, it happens so fast. Okay, is that all of the perfect man? I think that's all of our points before we have to get into too many hands. Yeah, there's just not that much more to it. You know, the, like, the reason for why he is a co-worker that Shay hates is mostly jealousy. I don't know. It's, they don't go into that, into it that much. It's, and I will say that is an issue with, like, most hateful coworker books, is we always come into the reason, they, we always enter the relationship between the coworkers with them already hating each other. Like, we kind of get to see, like, why they hate each other later on. Like, we see the inciting incident when it's explained to us by whichever character is narrating the book. 
And because Shay is not particularly likable, although relatable, like that is tougher, if that makes yeah. sense. Shout out to the hating game for uh, writing the hating part well. Yeah, that's true. That's so fair. Oh, we should, in The Perfect Man, we should also talk about their public makeup. Yeah, I didn't like this. Oh, I thought it was sweet. Um, so what happens is Shay has not talked to Dominic for days, weeks. It's been a while. Months. Months. It's been like six weeks. Anyways, she, she chances upon the public radio pledge drive where he is making these really heartfelt pleas for her to talk to him again on public radio. Uh, so she hears it and she gets in a car and she speeds on over to, to the headquarters and then she gets in the studio and they make up on air, uh, except for the really, I mean, they cut a little bit of it out from the airwaves, but, but most of it is on air. And I just think that that could have been a more private moment. I don't think it could have been a more private moment because she wasn't speaking to him. So like the only, she, he is like actively blowing up his career by doing the pledge drive like that. Like Kent, like, really did not approve that i'm sure something that i don't like about it is that like they are still making content for kent through the public makeup that i don't like i wish that there had been a way for them to make up without it involving their shitty ass boss like still reaping their relationship yeah i should clarify i'm not i'm not complaining about Dominic, like, oh, I can't get a hold of her any other way. This is how I'm going to do it. I the the part that that gives me the ick is when Shay gets in there and puts the headphones on. You know, I that part does not sit very well with me. Oh, where like all of the people are like in the booth and are like, well, they're broadcasting it. Like I, I don't think that that needs to be public. Yeah, that's fair. But also, here's what I'll say. They weren't in a relationship, really. And so, like, I don't... They... If we were to have a major conflict, we should not make up in public. But we're also in, like, a long-term committed relationship. And they were not in a long-term committed relationship. And so, like, a grand gesture... In this case, a public grand gesture, I think, like, is fine. Mm. Like, it is not the way that I would prefer conflict to be, like, fixed. However, like, I think in a book like this, this is how it would happen. I, yes, in a book like this. I guess I am just principled against the, like, contentification of what should be personal moments, you know? Oh, okay. I see stuff on TikTok of like, oh, this is like a fight me and my boyfriend had. Like, don't, keep that to yourself. These things don't need to be shared. Mm, okay, Sam, we can discuss this off mic. <laughs> Never mind, I won't bring it up. People are posting too much of their lives online. However... If I get engaged and there are no pictures, I will be That's, pissed. It's not the same. Okay, good. We don't have to discuss all mic, <laughs> off mic. That was the whole conflict. Okay. 
Okay. You want to switch to too many hands? Yeah. Where do you want to start? Um, I guess we can talk about you saying that Shay is a certified forearm freak. Oh, yeah. From, like... Because the- below that, I put Shay as kind of a certified everything freak. Which I think it's interesting that you said that, because I think probably half the time that Shay is, like, having a thought about Dominic's body, it's his forearms. Well, the issue is not that she is a certified forearm freak or that she's an everything freak. Because I think that her tastes are, like, pretty vanilla. Mm-hmm. I think the issue is that she is so fucking lusty. Yeah, I mean, they, it's kind of explained away as, like, oh, it's been a long time for her. Uh, But, yeah, she is she is really into this guy. And specifically his forearms. From from very early on in the book, and continuously, she is thinking about the forearms. He loves to roll his sleeves that up. That specifically made me think that there are some self-insert parts of this book. <laughs> like, I, I could really hear the author's voice when she's describing forearms. Oh my god. Yeah, this was a book where you could really, really, really see the author, which I guess is maybe a good thing, maybe a bad thing. I don't I don't think it changes much here. It I think it's just kind of funny. This is the book she was going to write. Like, do you, did she mean to reveal this much about herself? I don't know. <laughs> I mean, you're talking to someone who's doing a podcast, so I don't really know <laughs> if we have if me personally if I have a leg to stand on in terms of revealing too much about myself. So, there are two things about the sex in this book that I like, don't like. And I guess we can talk about the lustiness first. Okay. Yeah. Have you ever experienced being this lusty for someone you didn't know that well? Because I have not. Uh, probably not. I mean, the the thing is, Shay is not lusting that hard until, like, they have that very close moment uh when they're like brainstorming for the podcast for the first night and getting a little drunk and he like very nearly pins her up against the wall and then like takes the the glass of ice water and like holds it against her cheek so i mean i think there is an inciting incident to her like being a little obsessed with him but also like her inability to like not be lusting after a coworker. although i will say when I was in my, oh my god, I have a crush on Sam era, I liked you even with that nasty mustache, so, like, maybe I don't have a leg to stand on in terms of, like, being kind of lusty. I'm just gonna put it out there that I've long held the belief that it was not a in-spite-of-the-mustache sort of thing, but a, <laughs> maybe more of a cause. <laughs> it was not a bad mustache. It wasn't very good. I believe I believe that one of your Frisbee teammates said, Hey, uh, are we sure? Are there any young kids at this tournament? I don't really know if Sam should be around them. I've yeah. got worse mustaches. Not that I've seen. Uh, the one you grew for Harvest was really good. Yeah. Yeah. The one you grew for Harvest this year was really good. You didn't have one for Harvest really last year, did you? Year. Okay, I'm gonna, oh, I'm gonna don't write that damn. down. <laughs> this one felt 
this year's mustache, which it might be a yearly thing. We'll have to see. Uh, oh, okay. Uh, the year before that, the one that you fell in love with, my mom did refer to once as a porno stash, uh, but she did not with this year's. Strong of you to say I fell in love with that mustache. I think maybe I liked you in spite of the mustache, mm. which made me realize how much I liked you, considering you had that thing on your face, and I still was like, oh man. Yeah. Big old but crush. No, good mustache this year. Mm-hmm. Better, better mustache this year. You know what? I'm willing to accept that. If I can improve year on year, I'm going to have a great mustache in like 25. So we're really, we're really going to be improving that mustache by like minutia then. Uh, we'll see. I think I made some pretty big improvements uh over over the past couple years both in in shape and volume. Um mm-hmm. the ways I I dress to accentuate the mustache. Uh-huh. Uh, the length yeah. I keep the How how do you dress hair. to Accentuate the mustache, Sam. Well, I'm I'm still <laughs> I'm still working on that. <laughs> okay, guys, we'll make Bailey post a picture in the Instagram post for this episode of Sam with the mustache, just to make sure that everyone gets a good a good gander at the bad one and the better one. Mm. Okay, I think the other thing that I want to talk about in terms of too many hands is not really. I mean, none of the porn seemed unattainable. Like, I don't think we have much to discuss in terms of, like, last week where Adam Driver takes an entire boob into his mouth. Like, none of that really happened. It was all pretty normal. Like, you didn't read it and were like, "Mm, I don't think that exists. Like, there was no, like, lifting that seemed impossible. Yeah, nothing nothing really, like, took me out of it. But I I don't know if it was, like, especially well-written. No, as always, I have read better fan fiction. As always, send me a little DM if you're looking for the good ones. Um, although, I don't know if you read the same fandoms that I do, so you'd have to ask me about that. Um, so one of Dominic's main character traits is that he's only ever had one girlfriend and they dated for seven years. And that is part of why I think the lustiness doesn't ring through true, and I think a little bit of them having, like, immediate sexual chemistry does not ring very true. Because, like, it is, like, I don't think the easiest thing in the world to be physically intimate with a new person. And so I feel like it seems, like, kind of dishonest to me and took me out of it a little bit that I was just like, this is fake. Like, for him to be like, oh my god, I'm obsessed with you, I like you so much, and then for them to, like, be simultaneously orgasming the first time they, like, touch each other, like, fuck off. Like, are we writing a realistic book or not? Maybe that's part of the way this book doesn't ring true, is it's, like, sometimes she's really writing about interpersonal conflict in a way that is so accessible to me as a 25-year-old woman, and sometimes it's, like oh, this is just the same romance book that everyone has written before. Yeah, I mean, to some level, it has to be a little beyond reality because it's it, it's fiction, but this felt a little like the author was reaching a little bit too much right at the beginning. Yeah, I also, I don't know. You were previously a horny 24-year-old man. It's true. Now you're a horny 25-year-old man. Um, like, I don't know. 
Dominic's just a little too lusty. Like, it just doesn't make sense to me that he's so comfortable with sex with a new person when he, like, truly thought he was going to marry the last person that he was with and that, like, they'd been together for seven years and he's only ever been with one person. Like, it just didn't seem realistic that he was like, oh, yeah, let's have a casual hookup with a coworker. I think it could have felt realistic, but uh, it, it didn't match him as a character and the way that he... And it didn't really match Shay as a character. Like, I think they, like, I don't know. Yeah, I think the important part of, like, hateful coworker romances and romances in general is that, like, this felt a little too lusty to have this much plot. Like, if you're gonna write a book that that's, le- that's this lusty, lusty, you need less plot, or you need a book where, like, sex is much more of an intimate thing if you're going to have characters that you want to have depth. Like, I don't think that you can have, like, characters that have depth and be this lusty. Like, it, I think it kind of has to be one or the other. Yeah, I'm not sure it was balanced real well. I think that this is the kind of book that probably would have been better with a big, all-encompassing sex chapter at the end, or near the end, rather than, oh. rather than multiple. Although then, uh, she's got to change the whole plot if she does that, though. Yeah, I, yeah, but it, I don't know. The, like, the way that they were acting about sex did not feel consistent with the rest of their character traits. Yeah. Um, they're also hooking up at the office. They are. Like, multiple times. Like, they fuck in a sound booth. Like, one, I'm sorry, people are going to smell that. And two, like... It's not... Hold on. It is not explicit that they are they are having, you know, P&V sex in the sound booth. <laughs> They're there for 15 minutes. She definitely blows him, though. Yes. Yeah. In the elevator. In the elevator. She sees... She, I think the line was, like, saw how close she could get him from the elevator door closing to it opening the parking garage. Like... Anyone could be trying to get on the elevator. And I tell you what, not How real- did they know no one else was going to get on? I'm going to take a guess. Not real close because at max, they're on the fifth floor. I don't care how slow this elevator is. Like, come on. They're going like five, six floors max. So like maybe 20 seconds. I don't know how slow the elevator is, but it. Maybe 40 seconds. I just don't know that this one was thought through. No, I think that she was like, oh, how can we make it a little sexy, a little mysterious? Like, how can we have them doing something a little bit contraband so it's sexy? But instead you read it and you were like... <laughs> You're like, what? Oh, yeah, I'm sorry, guys. That was dead air. I was glaring at my computer screen. Um, also, <laughs> I, I have another little nitpick about one of the sex scenes. So they get to the... Oh, they're in the... They're in the Airbnb when they 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 don't go all the way, right? Because they don't have a condom. Uh-huh. uh-huh. He's been, like, lusting. They've been lusting after each other for, like, weeks at this point, and then they get sent to the Airbnb. You think he would have brought a condom? I'm surprised she didn't. I, I just oh, that's I can't fair. believe that neither of them did. Well, and if we're supposed to believe that, like, Shay, like, has casual hookups, like, she has a condom in her purse. Well, maybe not now, because she's she's on a dating app 
hiatus. So that's true. And the hiatus has been so long, she went off her birth control. Which, like, congrats to the women who are only on birth control to be able to, like, have sex. I feel like most of the women I know are on birth control because, like, their bodies are against them. Shay is in a minority. <laughs> okay. You want to do Goodreads? Yeah, I only found the one review. Um, a lot of people like There were no other reviews? Book. Not that I could find. I mean, the all the reviews are either people who really like this book. Um, I did not see a whole lot of, like, one-star reviews. There's a lot of two and threes. I don't know that there's that much in this book to, like, really take issue with. But a lot of people are, like, kind of lukewarm on it. So I can read I can read the comment I found. Uh, this one is from Larissa uh, Cambasano. I have such mixed feelings about this. It was cute and all, but I just didn't feel any connection or chemistry between Shay and Dominic. I also sort of slowly lost interest throughout the book, and everyone pissed me off at least once. I did have fun reading it, though. And then a heart emoji. And I think that summarizes this book pretty well. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's fair. I think what I'm seeing, I'm scanning through the Goodreads right now, is people think that it was just okay. Some people think that this book was, like, so sexy, and I... Eh. Eh. Read more books. There was sex in it. I don't know if it was sexy. Yeah. Yeah, this is an okay book. That's really what it comes down to. It's pretty short. Oh, here. Let's see. I will admit that Dominic and Shay's banter was quite fun. The writing was really easy to get into, and I had an enjoyable time with the story. But I have to say that Shay's character left a lot to be desired. In the beginning of the story, she absolutely hates Dominic, and it seems so unfounded. And throughout the story, she just had this lingering bitterness about her that was, in all honesty, unpleasant to read about. She's very human and I'm sure relatable to a lot of people, particularly millennial white women, but personally I found her grating at times. Although I found her and Dominic entertaining, I can't say it was 100% rooting for their relationship. It was a decent story, but not my favorite romance. Yeah. I think that's pretty good. There, there's, I don't really care about Shay and Dominic that much. They're not fleshed out too much. I also think that, like, it's telling that people, when I was just scrolling through that, it's telling that this book is, like, not that popular for a reason. Because, like, when we were looking at the Love Hypothesis Goodreads reviews, oh my god, Sam, they were writing essays. For sure. Like, long essays. And some of those were long essays for the book, and some of them were long essays being like, um, are we going to talk about the professor-student relationship in the room? Um, there were no essays in the first, like, six that I scrolled through. Yeah. And we should say, uh, The Love Hypothesis has a Goodreads rating of 4.21, and this is 3.73. So, about half a star in difference. And I I think that's accurate. I will also say, though, like, this one was not a book talk sensation, mm. and that Goodreads rating is, I mean, averages go up with more volume. Like, they just that do. So, like, part of the reason that X-Talk is lower is probably because it has a lot less reviews. Yeah. There's, like, less people being like, oh, my God, I'll give five stars to any romance with a little bit of sex in it. <laughs> I I feel like that makes me sound like I hate women. Guys, I love romances like this. I think they're fun. 
I like reading them. But like there are things to critique. I don't I don't especially like reading romances, but I I can judge quality between some of them. Mm-hmm. Um I'm looking through some of these one star reviews and it seems like uh-huh. a lot of the one star reviews are centered around uh journalistic integrity. We have a we have a sort of what was that Christmas movie? Are you saying that to to Shay or to the Oh, reviewers? a Christmas prince. Yeah. Oh, I'm saying that to the reviewers. Oh, I think this I think it's appropriate. I don't care about journalistic integrity in a romance novel. Oh, in a romance novel though. That doesn't really bother me. I thought it was really funny in A Christmas Prince how little integrity uh <laughs> the main character had as a journalist. Yeah. It's a bad movie. Like objectively like one of the worst movies made in the last decade. It's one of the last movies that got big in the last decade, because there are 100 movies exactly the same as that one. It does. I think it is bad enough to be good. Yeah. I will also say Rose McIver, who plays the main woman in that, is actually a pretty good actress. She is in... Hear me out, guys. Don't laugh at me. She's in this CW show called I Zombie. And it's a show where she gets turned into a zombie, but she works at a morgue and she like sees the dead people who were murdered and then solves their murders <laughs> by eating their brains. Oh my god. <laughs> How much of this has have you watched? Oh, I think I've seen all except the final season. Oh guys, it bangs. It's a good show. That's really funny. Look. I love garbage books. I love garbage TV. And this that one is actually pretty good. It is. And there's a lot of conflict with her and her boyfriend, Major, because she, like, has to break off her engagement to him because she gets turned into a zombie. I don't... I think that's on him. You know, if you... If you can't love her at her most zombie, you don't deserve her at her best. Well, she doesn't turn into a crazy gross zombie because she eats the brains at the morgue and they keep her normal. Okay, so why does she break off the engagement? Because if she scratches him or, like, breaks skin, she gives him a little nibble on the neck while they're making out, he'll turn into a zombie. Honestly, he should be okay with that. And he's... Well, no, he's not a mortician. He doesn't have access to the brains. Mm. She couldn't, like... Sam. Do a little takeout box. Okay, actually, the funnest part of this show is the way that she makes the brains every week. What, like she cooks them? Yeah! <laughs> okay. okay. I don't, know if, I've, well, I'll I don't just... know if I've been convinced to watch the show, but I am a little more intrigued than I was originally. Okay, well, I'll make you, I'll make you watch the trailer tonight. I love to watch a trailer. Um... Okay, Sam, was this book good? Did it make you feel good? Uh, this book was not especially good. It didn't make me feel good. Hmm. I hate to tell you, babe, I think this is the best one we're going to read no, this month. The Love Hypothesis was better than this. Oh, okay. I did like The Love Hypothesis. Specifically the part where Adam Driver throws that little shit stain into a wall. Yeah. If I didn't talk about that, maybe before, I would have liked this book four or five times. Maybe I would have liked this book more if they weren't journalists. I don't. Maybe we would have liked this book more if Dominic threw Kent into a wall. Uh, 
do you think that would have improved it? I mean, he's 6'3". Oh, that's something we didn't talk about. Guys, kind of weird height difference here. 5'2", 6'3". Pretty big. But she wears a lot of heels. I think it's fine. Could have been worse. Could have been 5'6". They don't focus on it too much. Yeah. It's kind of like she's short, he's tall, but not like, oh my god, she's a tiny little elf and he's a gargantuan giant. He doesn't have a nickname about how short she is, so. Yeah, that's true. That would involve them talking to each other enough for him to give her a nickname. (laughs) Yeah. Would you buy it? No. Easy. Cake. Here's the thing. The only thing that you'd answer yes to would be, would you buy a box set of Dune? No, I already have Dune. Would you buy... Yeah, I know you already have Dune, babe. It was a good example, though. Like I said about the the love hypothesis, though, like, I wouldn't feel that bad about buying it for someone else. I don't... I don't know that I'd want to buy this book for anyone. Oh, okay. Yeah, that makes sense. Are you going to ask me? Would you buy this book? I don't think I would. I think if you had asked me the first time I read it when I was feeling particularly vulnerable, I think I would have said yes. But I don't think that I want to own this book. I don't really think I want to own a lot of romances. I think the only thing that I've said, like, yes, I want to own this is to The Handmaid's Tale. I think you said yes about The Love Hypothesis. Oh, I said I'd be willing to own it, but I don't think I'd buy it unless I found it at half price books for like three bucks. Mm, okay. You know, like it's definitely a buy used, not new. Yeah. I think this book would have made me feel good and would have been good if they had focused more on Shay growing up instead of trying to like funnel it into the romance genre instead of just leaving it as it was, which was like a book about being a little bit lost in your 20s. Yeah, there's relationship development, but not a whole lot of individual development. Oh, I disagree. You disagree? I think there's a lot of... There's at least a lot of introspection, which is the first part of, like, growing growing personally. I guess. I just... I don't, I don't know that Dominic or Shay really change much from the beginning to the end of this book. I think Shay changed. I don't really think Dominic changed. No. But I wonder if Dominic would have changed more if we had, like, flipped perspectives. Maybe. Like, next week's book, I think it's our first book where we get two perspectives. Okay. I don't want any more spoilers than that. That That is barely a spoiler. Well, what was nice about this book was I didn't even know your opinion at all on it. I didn't know whether you thought it was good or bad until we started. Uh, okay, well, I will I will keep my mouth shut about next week's book, which is, by the way, guys, The Spanish Love Deception. Once again, I don't know the name of the author, but we will be reading The Spanish Love Deception. It's our last Hateful Coworker book, um, and then we'll do comparison and contrast. Um, if you are reading along, that will be our next book. But in the meantime, follow us on social media. Follow us on Instagram at English Majors Pod. Uh, send us an email at English Majors Pod. Read, read, write a review on Apple Podcast. Rate us on Spotify. And I think that's it. Did I miss anything, Sam? Uh, follow me on Twitter at Sammy2Times underscore. <laughs> 
I will say, um, some of the younger Truman Frisbee gals did think that Sam was a Twitter celebrity from the way that he tweets and the fact that the older girls on Tsunami all followed him, <laughs> but he didn't go to Truman. And he doesn't have a picture of himself as his profile picture. So, like, it really makes it seem like it's a little bit of a celebrity joke account. And I will say, unbiased opinion, obviously, because I don't care about making Sam feel good about himself at all. I do think his Twitter is very funny. Yeah, it's good. Uh, be prepared for me to tweet about Sam! What? Can't just say your own Twitter is good. Yeah, I can. If I didn't think it was good, I wouldn't do it. That's true. You are a very earnest person. Okay, I think that's it. Yeah. Do you have anything else? Uh, no, I don't think so. Okay, bye everybody!